So, we're, we're doing something a little different this week. We're looking at men's retreats and the power of men's retreats and how we've seen God use these retreats to really reach into the hearts of men and do some amazing things. Right, Justin? You're right. As we've seen year after year, one of the biggest pieces of that amazing work that happens together is basically in the small groups held after the retreats. I don't know that there was a, the weekend was the turning point. I think the follow-up afterwards. That's Adam Benjamin. Adam's a good friend of mine, and knowing his experience and how his life has been changed by a men's retreat, specifically because of the connections he made at the Dangerous Retreat, we thought it would be fun and insightful to hear that part of his story. My heart for this building of men's community, I think it comes from surrounding myself with men that really allow me to be vulnerable. And that's my good friend, Jamie Ramos. All you regular listeners have heard Jamie's podcast with the Serving Jesus in Your Home as part of the Serving Jesus series. And and you've heard his name mentioned several times on these podcasts by other men. I entered into the small group with uh, that Jamie Ramos was leading that ended up at this group is essentially still together four years later. Jamie Ramos is a great example of a man chasing after Jesus at home and at work, and, and a guy who's followed by a bunch of other men wanting to do the same thing. Now, Jamie is one of the first men that I reached out to back in 2014 for the Dangerous Men's Retreat. I reached out to him to lead a small group up at the retreat, and then to do a follow-up after the retreat. Yeah, and I was part of all that. I joined Jamie's follow-up post-retreat group, and that's where I met Adam Benjamin and a bunch of other solid men that I do life with now. Yeah, so that's what we're looking at today on Retreat Reflections, Shoulder to Shoulder, The Power of Community. This is Men's Community Pastor Dan Foote. And this is Associate Men's Ministry Director Justin Morgan. And this is Wake Up Call. The Flatirons Podcast for Men. Yeah, so here we are, Justin. We're, We're talking about the importance of these men's retreats, what happens up there, and, uh, you know, a big part of it are these small groups that we that we do. Yep. And I know it's had an effect on your life, too. Absolutely. Yeah, share a little bit about that. So I think one of the biggest things for me is if I go to a retreat, I may have an incredible weekend, but when I come down that mountain, what am I supposed to do after that? What am I supposed to do two weeks in when I'm getting things handed to me that it seems like life's falling apart again? And how do I keep that momentum going that that I got at the retreat? And for me, that was stepping into a group where I could link arms with other good men and to have that support system. Right. So one of the key parts of the dangerous retreat was the it, that was the first time we intentionally uh, went out. I mean, I went out and I found men who would lead groups that were going to be done geographically based on where they lived. And they agreed to lead a group, a small group, up in one of the cabins at the retreat on Friday and Saturday night. That's Those are the two times we did after each teaching session. They would go back, men would go back to their cabins, have their small group, led by a guy who was going to lead a follow-up group for four weeks afterward. That was one of the things I had asked. And one of the first people I asked was Jamie Ramos. Do you remember meeting Adam for the first time? I do. Tell us about that. Well, you know, I'd met probably six guys at the, that same night that had that same kind of like desire to to really quickly do something else. Like, you know, 
like immediately and, and and they were very much appreciative about being able to get together in that first group um and we had that meeting at odd 13 in right. Lafayette I think meeting Adam for the first time I was and if you knew all these men and you put all these men in the same room I mean you couldn't be more different personality wise or right. um sort of disposition wise or and and then and that evening was was pretty unique because we were all it was pretty heavy and it was a basically a it was like a fight gone bad in a lot of ways in terms of just emotions that were being tossed around and, and I think meeting Adam I mean I specifically don't remember what was said but I can I remember sensing that in all these men there was this this uh, mix of emotions of and this seeking sort of like well this was a really interesting discussion what's next you know Jamie Jamie has always stood out to me as a guy who, man, he he's so intentional about everything that he does. Yeah. I don't care what it is. What he's intentional about being a husband, a father, a cyclist, a fly <laughs> fisherman. I mean, absolutely, the, the dude's intentional about everything. Yep. Uh, and so, I I thought he'd be a great guy to pick, and so we chose him to lead that group. That was going to be one of our, I think we had three in the Lafayette kind of, you know, east side of Boulder area, uh, men that agreed to, to lead up at the retreat and then come back and do that. Uh, and I, they, they met when they came back at the Miller's Grill. I always call them the Miller's Grill group. And Jamie led that. And when did you step into that? Were you up there for the dangerous retreat? I was up there for the dangerous retreat. However, I didn't get connected right away. It took... It took Jamie multiple times and another man named Brad from that group inviting me. And so I ended up going to their group when they started meeting at Jamie's house in Lafayette. So they had moved on from Miller's Grill into Jamie's home. So this was way past the four initial weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's what I had asked for men to do, to commit to four weeks afterward. We fed them material. We gave them study questions that were based off of the theme from the retreat. And so all I asked for four weeks afterward. And so many of those groups did the four weeks. Yep. And then, you know, that's part of Adam's story. Initially, um, there was a sense of, hey, everybody kind of wants something more. Not just myself, but I think there was, uh, you guys organized like four weeks worth of content. And on that fourth week, we were all just kind of staring at each other saying, now I don't don't want this to be the last week. Mm -hmm. And so I think the next week we just said, so we're showing up next week, right? Yeah, what are we doing? I don't know. Let's show up next week. And we did. And so that, that... I think we strung a few of those together. Uh, I think myself included, but I think we all started to sense a little bit of authenticity. They're like, okay, this this is real. This isn't just guys talking about the weather. Right. Um, so, so initially it played out in the short term of, hey, there's something here. Um, over the years, I think we got to the point of, hey, here's my stuff. Here's my story. Take it or leave it. And, right. Um, yeah. And that's what I love listening to what Adam just said there uh, about how there is that there was that need after the four weeks to go, hey, I don't, I don't want this to end. Let's keep this going. And there's always going to be this tension with the small group thing. I, I mean, I've, I've, I've experienced this for years, having been involved in men's ministry in some form or fashion, participating, leading, uh, whatever. 
community is a key part to to helping other men and for that iron sharpens iron. You know, it's it's an integral part, but it's also so difficult to get that commitment. Yeah. What do you when you see that in your own life, what were some of the things that got in the way of not participating in a small group? One of the things I'll never forget is Jim had a man stand out alone and this man's just standing there and Jim runs up, Jim the pastor Jim, pushes him and this guy goes flying. And Jim said, hey, that's a lot of our lives because the truth is something is going to hit us whether we're ready or not. And if we're not anchored into something bigger and better than just ourselves, we're going to go flying. And so then he had that same man stand there and he had another man on each side come alongside of this man and they linked arms and he ran up and he shoved the guy again. And this guy didn't budge. Yeah. And it's that idea that Jesus said, hey, in this life, you will have trouble. Not if you have trouble, you will. And for me... I was afraid. I was afraid it was going to be cheesy. As I, was, I was afraid it was going to be something I didn't want to be part of. And I was stuck committing to this thing. And it was just going to be cheesy and surface level. Because I've been there and I've done that. I don't need surface level in my life anymore. Help me out here you when know? you say cheesy. What does cheesy represent? Like, hello, brothers. I love fellowshipping tonight. You know, like <laughs> just this idea that no one is being real and everyone right. has these masks on. And I've lived a lot of my life like that. I just don't have time for that anymore. I need sure. something that's that's real, that I can actually link arms with other good men and become like them. And I need to make sure it's a safe environment too, for me to be real, them to be real, and for us to actually, to mean what we say when we show up. And that's what we heard from Adam. Absolutely. One, I think Jamie's an incredible leader. Yeah. So putting him in that role was a good call. And I think he he's the type of personality that really people are drawn to. So I think one... There's, there's the leadership dynamic. Um, I think, too, in general, I get the sense that men don't want to go there. And for whatever reason, I think that this group of men decided, hey, we're going to go there. I, I don't know if it was a perfect storm of individuals, myself included, saying, I need right. something more. And thinking of a few of the guys in the group, I think they were probably feeling the same thing, so maybe it was a perfect storm. Um, Help me understand when you say they didn't want to go there. What what does there represent? Hey, sharing your story, saying, hey, this is what I suck at, and this is how I screwed up, and this is how I'm continually screwing up, or mm. hey, this is where I want to get better, or hey, I wasn't very kind to my wife. I did this, and you know, I think there's fear, typically, in right. sharing that, and but there's healing in sharing that. Oh, yeah. And so I think when there is, is like going through the fear to get to the healing. Yeah, so it takes a commitment from a, from a man to go, okay, this feels a little dicey. I'm not sure what I'm getting myself into, but I'm going to step out and do this. It just takes courage to do that. It's risky. Likewise, it takes courage to find a man who's going to lead that. Yep. Uh, and finding men who will step up I'll just say it's it, it can be difficult. We all needed something that was very ended up being very similar. It was almost like this we needed to be in a room together where we could talk to each other and be honest and open about just everything that was like crushing us as men. And and we didn't know it at the time. But but looking back on that, the whole I think the whole link was the story. Yeah. From the from day one was sharing stories and talking about you know, and following the leadership from the stage. I mean, from, you know, to be honest, I mean, the stories that we hear, the stories that we heard, 
you know, dangerous and uncommon. I mean, that set the tone and the pace right. and really laid down the challenge for, for somebody else to do that. And, and so as we listen to Jamie and we listen to Adam, these two men kind of represent the bookends that happen at the retreat. And that's the reason why I wanted to do this, because that community piece, that connecting up at the retreat is such an integral part of men continuing the journey after the retreat's over. Yeah. I mean, how many stories do we hear of men that go up to retreats, they have this, what we call, I'm putting in quotes, a mountaintop experience, and they come back and a week later it's gone. Yep. And they just like, they're just, and what ends up happening is like, I got to go back to that again. Well, a key part of doing that is the continuing process. To get that moving, you need a leader. Yep. And then you need men who are going to step out and do this. My wife's been praying for me for years to to connect with guys that, you know, strong men that that can, um, you know, support support me and and, and build you know, community through whatever that is. And it's mostly through doing stuff together. I mean, it's through um, trying to experience life and trying to follow Christ. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really born out of, I, I think, sharing story and being authentic. Yeah. And so that undefended vulnerability, I think there's like a release that happens when you're almost freed. It's freedom to be able to, to be yourself and to be real. Right. in front of other men, regardless of the circumstances or the, or the consequences sometimes. I mean, Adam's a young man. First of all, he grew up in this area. I'm the youngest of three. Um, got an older sister and an older brother. How much so, older? Uh, my sister's four years older. My brother's about two years older. But yeah, I grew up in Lafayette before Lafayette was cool. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was a little bit sketchier 25 years ago. <laughs> so, What was the sketchiest part? Public road. Yeah. They didn't have the lighting there, and you get, like, the Easy Pond, which is still there. Okay, and you are married to Amy? I am married to Amy. Two yep. little kiddos? Yep. Four and two? Four and two. And so. we just talked a little bit early before we started recording that you're in a busy part of life. Yeah, it's a bit crazy. Yeah. yeah. Not a lot of sleep. Um, the kids are able to go, 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 and yeah. um, we're not as easily able to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so we're keeping up, <laughs> doing our best. Uh, so t tell me, what's the what's the greatest joy about the life where you're at, this stage in life where you're at? Oh, man. I think just seeing my kids absorb the world. And, like, we saw fireworks for the first time this year. Like, yeah. them just so enjoying that and soaking that up. And um, I think seeing the two of them play together, because my daughter's finally getting old enough to interact with, sure. with my son and... and Man, she gives a deep belly laugh that only he can get her to do. That's great. And it's just really cool to see them interact and, um, you know, think that I had a small part in creating that environment sure. for them. So, What's the hardest part? Uh, sleep deprivation. Yeah. Yeah. My son's got some sleep stuff going on that we're trying to figure out and we're just... Up throughout the night. Yeah, and... multiple times. Yeah. So it's just, you wake up, ex I wake up exhausted. Yeah each day. Is so. he still in a crib or is he in a big boy no, bed? big boy bed. Just, you Which know, means he can get out at any time. And Yeah, we have a good rule not to, but yeah, he's nightmares, stuff like that. It's yeah. it's tough. Yeah, Ed, he's in a busy station in life just like you are, aren't you, Justin? Absolutely. So when you think about this, when you think of young men like yourself, busy station in life, first of all, you know, what are those things that are going to get in the way 
of you going to the retreat. Mm-hmm. But then what are those things that are going to get in the way of you stepping out and joining a small group? I think one of the biggest things that gets in the way is I just want to make sure that this is going to get me something in my life that I'm looking for because this is a big commitment to show up on a weekend. I want to make sure that I'm going to leave with something better than I came before I showed up. And that's one of the things that that was really hard for me to get to retreat because I wanted to make sure that this commitment, this financial commitment as well, was going to was gonna be the change I was looking for. And it was kind of like getting tools. I guess it's like going to Home Depot. The weekend for me is actually getting tools that I've needed for a long time. If I'm going to build a home and I got a chainsaw, that does not help me at all. Yeah. But the retreat's what actually showed me, hey, here's some tools that you have. When you go down the mountain, you got to use them yourself. Home Depot won't build the house for you, but they'll drop the lumber off and they'll give you the tools you need. And that's the moment that I realized that if I'm going to be building something in my life that I want to be bigger and better than what I had, I'm going to have to surround myself with other men that could help me do that. And the project is me trying to change as a man. And yeah. the project is me trying to become a better dad, a better husband, and help me walk through some of the brokenness in my life. Yeah. You had me at Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, that is uh, a key part of your and Adam's relationship. We, the way Justin and I really got connected was through that group, we started a thing called Brotherhood Primer. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, same author as Man Maker Project, Chris Bruno, he wrote Brotherhood Primers, How Do Men Be Brotherhood, Become a Brotherhood. And um, it's called a primer because it's really the start of something. And I think that's something that Justin and I really got out of that because when he joined the group, he joined, gosh, a month before we started that. And he kind of just jumped in and was maybe thrown in the fire and said, who are these guys? Mm -hmm. Um, But I think going through each other's story and hearing each other's story, where we've been, um, and who we are today, and who we want to be, um, I think that Justin and I challenge each other, not necessarily in the, hey, I saw you do this, and you need to knock that off, but in the, hey, I just met with Justin for coffee in the morning at the ass crack of dawn, and I had a much better day, and I, I want to go home that evening, and that week, and that month, and be better just because my interaction with Justin was mm. positive and I see Justin as a good man and so by being around good men encourages me to also be a good man. Yeah. If we have the confidence that the other men in this group have our back then I don't have to worry about my back at home. That I can go and take care of my family. I can, I can have my wife's back. I can take care of my kids. I can have their back because I don't have to worry about my own because I know Justin's sitting here I know it, at any moment I can call him and he, he'll take care of whatever's needed. Yeah. Um, so I think that that has been one of the huge benefits because then at home, it's not necessarily taking care of my needs. Right. It's focusing on my wife's needs, my kids' needs, so that I know my needs are being met when I hang out with the guys on Wednesday nights. You know, I, I do love what you, the way you pointed that out as far as it's a great analogy that um, <laughs> works for all of us that love tools and going to Home Depot. <laughs> Come but, on. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so it's great because that's what they will get at the mm-hmm. retreats. And I think we build enough equity here at Flatirons that any man going to a Flatirons men's retreat is going to go up there and just get powerful, solid teaching. And we're excited. We're doing things a little different this year. This year at men's retreat – 
Ben, this young guy named Ben, I think his last name's Foot. Uh, no, no relation. Ben, yeah. <laughs> Ben's going to be teaching at the men's retreat, and we're so excited about what he's putting together. So it's going to be powerful, solid teaching. There's going to be so much time. Uh, we're going to, you know, intentional time to connect, intentional time to have fun, intentional time to just be by yourself and quiet with God, and then intentional time to do whatever the heck you want. And when you get that compacted in that, whatever it is, it ends up being like 36 hours, something like that. There are so many men that can come and have this powerful experience. But what we're always trying to do is set up the after what you just talked about, to have some other men to help you. You got your tools. The lumber's been dropped off at your house. Now build this thing together because that is where you're going to find support when the storm comes. When I asked you to lead, what was your first thought? Well, it was no, no way, and right? I mean, it was an email, I think, yeah. initially, and I thought, you know, what? I mean, I, absolutely, the, the gut check was no. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not qualified to do that. So w- one of the things, listening to Jamie uh, talk about being a leader, Jamie doesn't even realize what a great leader he is. And to me, that's one of the things that makes him such a powerful leader. He leads from a place of humility. He leads from a place where that is just true and honest. Jamie Ramos wants to be a better man and what that looks like through the the magnifying glass of God you know, kind of going off this most recent magnify teaching. Jamie wants to do that personally, and it's it's infectious. And when he stepped out to be a leader, all these other guys followed. I just love how he still doesn't really get it himself. So what, um, was, that, what was the drawback? Was it qualifications? I just think that, you know, not, I mean, having a fear of the unknown, not mm-hmm. feeling safe, you know, um, not having a full understanding maybe of the entire content of the retreat and how it would be presented and where I would be and what I would have to, you know, potentially lead men through or experience with them for the first time. So, yeah, I was terrified. Yeah. But that fear led me to really step out and be like, okay, I'll do this because, you know, after praying about it, I felt like, okay, I, I might be able to pull this off. And even if it is weak, nobody else will know. Yeah, so there's one thing to get the guy to step up and be a leader. That's just one of the key integral parts. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Yeah, finding these men who are going to say, I have never done this before. You know, just like Jamie just said, I've never done this before. I don't feel qualified to do this. All it takes is the courage to step up, lead a discussion group. We'll feed you all the material, we'll give you all the wood, all that kind of stuff, and then lead up at the retreat and then come back and lead for a few weeks afterward and then see what God does with that. Yeah, if we could just be the leader we wish we had. Yes. That could change everything. You know, so I guess it takes just as much courage to step out and join a group as it does to step out and lead a group too. Absolutely. I I just know moving, uh, you know, moving from Ohio uh, where I grew up, and my wife Amy and I moved to New Jersey and after we were there for two years and then moving to Texas and kind of being in different groups along the way. Um, it's always – it always feels – I don't want to say dangerous, but but it is. It's uncomfortable to step into a new group like that because there's all those unknown factors 
there is the what you talked about earlier, Justin, that there is that, is this going to be cheesy? Are, are, are we going to, and, and it's always a gamble. Yeah. But the truth is, everything's a gamble. Yep. The other gamble is this, I'm not going to step into it. And I'm gambling that I'll somehow magically find community without actually making an effort for that. Iron sharpens iron. We need other men speaking into our lives because that sharpens us and hones us and makes us better. And there's nothing worse than a dull knife. Yeah. Nothing cuts worse than a dull knife, right? That's the most dangerous thing in the kitchen, right? A dull knife. That's right. So getting men to step out and do this and looking at what happened with Adam and 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 Jamie as a leader and as a member of the group. Yeah, and I think one of the things I'm really, really proud of Adam for is because I felt a lot like him getting to the, the retreat and going, maybe I should turn back. Maybe this isn't for me. And for him to be sitting in that small group of men on the first time I showed up, he was the one man I connected with. And because of that, I stuck around. And so yeah. I think the importance too, as you're talking about, is men having the courage to show up to these groups, even if they're not leading anything, the fact is there could be one man that shows up that, that next week or is looking for something different in his life. And because you're there, that changes everything for that man. And for me, that was Adam Benjamin. He was, yeah. the, he was exactly in the same stage I was. He just had a daughter. I had just had a daughter. And that was a catalyst in my life to actually go, okay, these groups matter. And I'm going to be a better dad by showing up here because that guy is trying to be a better dad. I'm going to link arms with him. So I have a huge respect, huge affinity for Adam and his courage to continue to push through that even when he felt like he wasn't connected in the very beginning. One of the key parts of these groups that live on after the retreats, again, it goes back to the leader. It gets back to these men that join and then want to continue to do work. Because like I said, we for the dangerous retreat, we had four weeks of material that followed up on what they learned up at the retreat. After that four weeks, it was up to them. To, if they wanted to stay together, that's fine. If not, I mean, that's just the way we work things. And Jamie's group, which I, like, I always refer to as the Miller's Girl Group, continued on. And then you came in mm-hmm. after they were already through Dangerous. Yep. And, and what has happened, I love the stuff that's happened afterward. I think, so going up to the Dangerous Retreat, I think disconnected and lonely was a, two defining words in my stage of life. And through the group, through Crucible, having to, or wanting to connect with other men, I think has created an environment to allow myself and pursue connection with my kids, with my wife, um, saying, hey, connected relational life feels better than isolation and disconnectedness. So you went. I did go to Crucible, yep. And... Was it a positive experience? Absolutely. Uh, well, <laughs> the aftermath is a positive experience, yeah. right? Going through, it's tough. Oh, it's hard. Right? It's it? not easy. You, yeah, it's it's not an easy task to take on. It's. Sure. I faced things that I didn't know I was going to face and address things that I didn't know I was going to. But yeah, so the result of it, absolutely. So the biggest benefit post-Crucible? Um, Post-Crucible, putting tools in my tool belt. Yeah. Um, I think identifying some things that, you know, I was dealing with in life, that was helpful. Yeah. Um, but using the tools in the tool belt to say, hey, this is, this is how I can continually address those issues because those haven't gone away. But the issues that show up that I don't even know are going to come, 
yeah. to approach him with a similar set of tools and say, hey, because I've applied that over here, whatever's coming, I will hopefully be able to apply some of it there as well. What has Amy had to say, your wife Amy, what does she had to, What does she say about the retreat and then the follow-up stuff that's come afterward? Did uh, she see a difference after sure. the retreat? Yeah. Um, if she were sitting right here, I think she would undoubtedly say that um, I have changed. It's taken time. Yeah. Um, it hasn't been, right? It's four years since the dangerous retreat, and I'm a little over a year since my initial weekend on Crucible, but mm-hmm. I think she would undoubtedly say that I'm showing up differently at home. Yeah. For sure. One of the things that stands out to me, too, about Jamie is that it isn't like it isn't like he's the leader where he comes in every week and he's got material. Really. He He's invited the other men to step in and kind of co-lead with him. And what, that's one of the things that I see almost like a factor of success in small groups is the leader who, you know, makes sure that I think information gets out is when we're going to meet but then also invites the other men to come in and help kind of form what this is going to be. The most successful small groups that I know are these men where it isn't one guy leading, you know, that you've got one guy that does everything each week, that you have this this kind of like this amalgamation of all these men that are speaking into it. And that's what your group, you're part of this group. That's what it's become, hasn't it? Yep, absolutely. And, you know, as as we've heard, they've gone through the Brotherhood Primer. Some of these guys are doing the Manmaker Project by Chris Bruno, which is a rite of passage book. And then there's the Crucible, which men hear all the time on here because the Crucible has become an, just an integral part of men's ministry here, meaning something we can point men to to kind of work through some of the junk that we all have, stuff since, you know, since childhood. Uh, the Crucible's played an integral part of your group too, right? That's right. Who was the first to fall? Who was the Fisher first? Fisher went first. Fisher went first. Yeah. Um, again, that was another thing we, we kind of fell in step with and you know, the fear in our group. It was pretty easy when he was one, you know, and, and but he came back and he couldn't say anything about it, obviously, right? What did you guys do with that? Well, we tried to pressure him. <laughs> we tried to uh, get some information out of him, but he was pretty good about, you know, being very cryptic. And, and I think I think most men know that, you know, it's, it's a journey and you have to experience that for yourself. And so... Was it frustrating? Yeah, though? yeah, absolutely. Because as more men chose to step into that direction and, and do that weekend, it just got more and more frustrating. And again, as we kind of wrap this up, we look at the power of, first of all, going to a retreat, intentionally setting aside time to, to seek God. And I'm going to say that's a big part of your story. Isn't it, Justin? It is. Going up there with your brother. So wh- which retreat? We went up to Uncommon together. And that was the year after Dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yep, that was the year after Dangerous. And he and I just come, you know, out of kind of rough background. We've we've been through a lot of divorces as a kid with different stepdads and different things like that. And so we were going up there with, with a lot of baggage. And we were looking baggage for— Baggage with each other? No, not with each other. Baggage just from what we saw growing up. Yeah. And we were trying to figure out how do we become good men because when you don't see a lot of good men growing up, you kind of make the same mistakes and you kind of do the same things that you saw growing up with the people that were leading you. 
And so God used that retreat to rewrite our story. He used that retreat to literally hit the reset button on who we are as men. And for the first time, I felt like I was coming down the mountain equipped. And like we talked about, I had, I had some tools that I didn't have before. Right. And so did he. And that was, that was a, a catalyst, I think, for he and I both to become different men because we needed to see something different. And, and that's what I love, how you went to Dangerous— and and it had an effect. Yep. You went to uncommon with your brother it has this profound effect. And I love just having done this now. I mean, the first retreat I did was called Go, and it was already kind of as I shared in an earlier podcast. It was already done, set and in place. All the thing was kind of set. All I had to do is kind of like follow through on everything that was set up before I came on staff. The next year we did Fire on the Mountain. That was the first one that, you know, we planned start to finish and and start to finish. And, and that's one that I would like to talk with Scott Nickel about. And then after that came, which I always kind of consider the change where I feel like we everything kind of locked in. We did Epic next. And there was something about Epic that kind of locked in some key parts of what, how to really reach and connect with men. And then after Epic... We did Dangerous, and that's what we're talking about. After Dangerous came Uncommon, and Uncommon took these retreats to an entirely different level because it was so— <laughs> It really did. It was so influenced by Jim and his Crucible experience. And then we did—it was almost two years. We did back-to-back-to-back-to-back uh, royal retreats. And so as I look back, just going at the, from Go, the first one, until the royal retreats, I can't wait— for this year's men's retreat and what we'll be saying about this year's men's retreat and talking to the men on this podcast whose lives are going to be changed because they went to this retreat. As we wrap this up, we do have the Take It Back men's retreat. It's going to be September 8th, 9th, and 10th. So mark that on your calendars. We are going to have signups. They will start Sunday, August 6th at 3 p.m. That's 3 p.m. sharp, Sunday, August 6th. The lines will open up at 3 p.m. So, men, get ready. It's first come, first serve. Once the tickets are gone, they're gone. We will uh, have a sign-up list, as you know, a wait list that we'll fill up. Again, first come, first serve, and we will fill those in as, as men if, if men drop out. Uh, but we look for this thing to sell out. And uh, I'm excited. Justin, this is the first one you and I have done together. Absolutely. I'm excited too. Yeah. I love having you riding shotgun. Appreciate that. It's going to be great. Powerful. And then next week, we're going to talk to another man who had a profound experience at Men's Retreat. We're going to talk to my buddy, Scott Strong. Well, he, had, he had just gone through his, his divorce and was, was in the middle of trying to wrestle through some, some even bigger, broader life questions. And... My sister had just gone through her divorce. Um, we had a number of things going on around us. Family deep rolling off the rails. Mm -hmm. Everywhere I turned, there was, there was disaster either in process or it had just, just happened. So I look forward to next week. I hope you guys join us. This is Men's Community Pastor Dan Foote. Associate Men's Director Justin Morgan. And this is Wake Up Call. The Flatirons Podcast for Men.